1: And this is Thursday, April 26, 2018. How the time flies. Will justice ever prevail for homeowners? We don't know yet, but the word is out. Homeowners should win and the banks should lose. I'll add one more thing to that. You know all that money that the banks made trading on your identity without your consent or even without your knowledge? I'm reviving my call from 10 years ago that people should consider filing suit for identity theft and disgorgement of all profits the banks made from the trading in derivatives, hedge products, credit default swaps, and other so-called private contracts that were based on your identity and your obligation. The banks were making money hand over fist in transactions that were no more real than the fabricated assignments, notes, and endorsements they are trading in today in foreclosure courtrooms. So why now? Well, because the climate has changed. More homeowners are winning and more confidentiality agreements are being bought by the banks to cover up the fact that they're losing, that the entire foreclosure scheme was a, a fake. None of the banks or services are who they say they are. U.S. Bank... Is not really the trustee. Read the PSA. They have none of the powers of a trustee. They not only have no role in active management of the business of the so called trust, U.S. Bank or any other trustee cannot even make inquiry as to the affairs of the trust. They're in a royalty arrangement where they're renting their name. This is to create an illusion. And it's obvious when you just bear down on the documents and the facts and their answers and discovery. And what's happening is that while many lawyers have exited the field of foreclosure defense, probably because they didn't want to do the in-depth work, the ones that have stayed are making headway. The only people who really know what happened, are the underwriters. And they know that the trust was only a figment of the imagination in which no money and no property was ever entrusted to U.S. Bank or any other trustee. There was no trust. You can have a corporation that has no assets. It's called a shell. But you can't have a trust with no assets because then there is nothing entrusted to the trustee by a trustor. That's why the lawyers keep referring to the trust as being a holder instead of a holder in due course because, in fact, the only event that ever occurred involving the trust was that it was named, it did not receive, it was named on an assignment or mortgage or an endorsement or both. Being a holder doesn't mean you have the rights to enforce. You only get the rights to enforce from the actual creditor or obligee of the debt. Your debt or the debt of your clients was converted from an obligation owed by you to an obligation owed by a non-existent trust. That's why all those investors filed suit and got settlements and why there have been multi-billion dollar fines because the trust never existed. And the loans that they said they were requiring, they never required. Where did your debt go? It didn't go with the note because in most cases, the payee on the note never owned the, the debt. All appearances to the contrary. They made a nice show at the closing, the so-called closing. And it looked to you, the borrower, that you were signing a note to the people who loaned you the money. That's not what happened in a lot of cases, in most cases, in uh, the vast majority of cases. So where is the debt? Where is the creditor? The answer is obvious once the research is done, and that's what lawyers are doing, and there are more experts coming in that have real credentials of security analysis, of accounting and auditing and so forth, Uh, not just people who are unacquainted with investigation and forensic techniques and all of those things that are required in order to establish whether or not a fact is true. In other words, a statement whether or not a statement is an assertion of a fact that is true. The debt was dissolved in a sea of derivatives where the only obligation that counts is the obligation owed by the trust named on the trust instrument that it issued supposedly mortgage-backed certificates. It issued it to certificate holders who, in my recent analysis, I finally came up with the fact that those certificate holders actually don't have any beneficial interest in what the trust supposedly has, which, in fact, is nothing. So they're not even beneficiaries of the so-called trust. So many of the elements of a trust, other than the existence of a trust instrument, are completely absent. Where is the creditor? That depends upon how you define creditor. We normally mean the party to whom the debt is owed. The the, the correct word is the obligee of the obligation in which you are the obligor. I'm not making this stuff up. Go look it up. Case law, statutes, uh, uh, rules, regulations, dealing with financial transactions and financial instruments. This is common knowledge, black-letter law, as it were. Oh, and let's not forget to mention the non-lawyer upstarts who are paid by the banks to discredit good analysis that is accepted by law professors, lawyers, judges, um, um, even even some in law enforcement. Those... uh, those shills who get paid by the banks to do that are really turning up the heat. Um, We've seen a lawyer out on the west coast of, of Florida get the heat because he was making headway. We've seen a lawyer in Southern California get the heat. Why? Because she was making headway. And I've been a consistent target since 2007. They took my... The 16 banks took my deposition in 2008 for six straight days, nine to five. And at the conclusion, they decided, obviously, never to confront me directly. So they, they've got their PR war going on, and these shills out there who delight at losses uh, by homeowners – and uh, try to use that as proof that there is no analysis under which a homeowner can win. So I, I would say, as just as an aside, that the heat wouldn't be getting turned up unless we were getting too close to victory in a ground war that started in 2005. I've been doing this for 11 years now, actually a little more. Um and I expect to continue to receive incoming flack. And that is why the title of the show is How Are Homeowners Winning? They're winning because they're fighting, and their lawyers are fighting smarter than ever before. The ones that don't fight, they lose their homes. It's just that simple. The ones that do fight but they really don't do the work, they lose too and the homes are lost. It is that simple. But as an aside here, I'm going to get into more meat in a second, but I just want to say that if you're paying a lawyer $300 a month or something like that, you can't expect them to be putting 50 hours a month into your case to do the work. You've got to come to some sort of agreement that is legal and that is appropriate under which the lawyer gets paid uh, a lawyerly fee for the time that he's putting in, win or lose, or a contingency which uh, generally can't apply in connection with foreclosure defense. Um, I believe it's universally true in, in all states that a lawyer cannot take an interest in the subject matter of the litigation uh, where it's property, uh, especially real property. Uh, first, a message uh, about our websites uh, Lending Lies is progressing pretty well. Uh, the email addresses are, wor- are working. Um, you can still reach me at neilfgarfield at hotmail.com. To contact us, go to LendingLives.com. That's LendingLives.com. Or you can contact us at the VC to site where both uh, Living Lives and Lending Lives are still up. Uh, We'll be continuing to make changes, and uh, we're looking to having a, a pretty good functional site there. For those looking for a personal consult with me, you can find it by looking at any of my recent articles on the Living Lies blog, there's a uh, uh, a link there for you to hit, uh, which will enable you to automatically schedule and pay for it, etc. I'm broadcasting live from Duval County, Florida, brought to you by the Living Lies team, GTC Honors, Lending Lies, Amgar, and the Garfield firm with offices in Florida. And of course, this show is specially brought to you because of donations to the Living Wise blog from listeners just like you. And thank you very much. And for those of you who are not yet contributors, we ask that you hit the donate button on the blog or call 954 451 1230 or 202 838 6345. Um, and pledge whatever you think you can afford. I spend a great deal of my time, most of it actually, working for nothing. Um, Well, not working for nothing, not working for money. Uh, It's been my mission since the beginning to stop this foreclosure madness and to bring the banks to account, to have justice prevail. Fortunately, we need donations and revenue in order for me and the other members of the team to continue doing what we're doing for free on the Living Live site. If you go to the Lending Live site, you'll see the services and products that we've got up there, and if you're thinking about doing anything, we appreciate your business, and you'll be helping not only yourself with the services we do, but... All homeowners who are are readers of my blog. And uh, some of you may know that there are 13 million direct visits to my blog since 2007, and uh, uh, probably an equal number of uh, indirect hits uh, because the uh, blog is sent out by email. Homeowners are winning foreclosure cases with rulings that describe the defects and deficiencies in the proof submitted by lawyers for the so-called bank or the so-called servicer or the so-called trustee for the so-called trust. I have had two such rulings in cases where I was lead counsel acting with my co-counsel, the very able Patrick Junta, G-I-U-N-T-A in South Florida. Uh, In each case, the judge stated in painstaking detail the main things that disturbed them in the so-called proof, finding that the documents were at least dubious, if not faked, fabricated, and irrelevant. Irrelevant? Well, like the Chase Bank power of attorney by which Aquin claimed authority to be the servicer because it had no other document by which it could claim to be the servicer except that Chase Bank had nothing to do with the case there was nothing anywhere on any document in which Chase ever had a claim even as servicer in that case the power of attorney signed by Chase was void. It was obviously fabricated and forged. And even if it wasn't, it still was of no effect. And we pointed that out. These are the types of things that happen in the courtroom that turn the case. When I asked the witness, witness who was a lawyer himself, the robo-witness was a lawyer, Uh, or previously practicing lawyer uh, which is very unusual I asked him to show me where in the PSA we can find Chase Bank he refused to look he said no I said what do you mean no he said no that was a, a turning point there were many other things in that case some of which I'll tell you in a moment and I could go on with examples of findings of courts all across the country that reveal the flagrantly fraudulent nature of virtually all of the 16 million foreclosures that have occurred thus far. And then, of course, we had the infamous case where the bonus question to the robo-witness came, from, came not from me but from the judge, She asked, what was the default date? And she's asking that of the robo-witness. So we waited until the judge said, let the record reflect that I asked a very simple question. When was the default date? It is now 13 minutes later, and I still have no answer. During the time that we were waiting for him to answer, this robo-witness stated that, well, maybe it was June, then maybe July, then maybe August, or possibly September or October or November. The problem was that his records didn't show a default date because there wasn't one. And in that case, I asked about the amount stated as required uh, in the, uh, for reinstatement on the default letter the figure could not be reconciled with any known charges, and the robo-witness didn't know the answer to that either. In that case, the servicer had done to my clients what they had done hundreds of times and what other servicers had done hundreds of times. Actually, I say thousands or tens of thousands of times. They misapplied payments. Then they said there was a default. Then they refused to accept payment. And later, they would point out to that period of time that they were refusing payment as a period of non payment by the homeowner. There used to be a time when this sort of behavior was considered crazy. But in the last 10 years, it's been the homeowner who is considered crazy for opposing and defending an illegal, fraudulent foreclosure. That's the power of the banks in leading the narrative that's reported in mainstream media. Homeowners are winning wrongful foreclosure cases, sometimes with six- to seven-figure verdicts. For those of you who are not good at math, I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars in compensatory and punitive damages up to millions of dollars in compensatory and punitive damages. Almost all of the winning cases are silenced when the opposing side pays or gives value to the homeowner in exchange for a confidentiality agreement that silences them and their attorneys from discussing the case or the settlement. So you don't hear about all the wins except generally from uh, people like me who are at the fulcrum uh, consulting with hundreds of cases, Um, and, and you won't hear about it because in most cases the bank will pay sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars to keep the homeowner and the lawyer quiet. Because if word gets out that homeowners are winning and homeowners can win and that there is a reason to resist, then the fraud collapses just like every Ponzi scheme. And make no doubt about it, this is a Ponzi scheme. Any reasonable analysis by any financial analyst will come up with the exact same conclusion. There is nobody who has signed a declaration or an affidavit or written an article contrary to what I have been saying for 11 years. The reason is that nobody with real credentials is willing to sign such an affidavit or declaration. In fact, they take one look and they run like hell because they know that they're dealing with a criminal enterprise, or what I consider to be a criminal enterprise, and so do many other people. Almost all of the many winning cases are are silenced by that. So if you're looking for, you know, proof that these so-called theories that people say... uh, Uh, when they're attacking me or any of the other lawyers that uh, are are writing articles or the forensic analysts that are writing articles, they, in most cases, uh, you're just not going to hear about it. You're not going to get any support. Most people will tell you you, you, you're going to lose. But I'll tell you that in the, in the majority of cases where we got the work done and we either did it because we wanted to even though we weren't getting paid or we were getting paid to do it, those cases ended up with a favorable result for the homeowner in the majority. There's no guarantee here. But we know that there are so many inconsistencies and defects in the in the case presented for foreclosure, that nobody uh, should walk away from the house without at least considering fighting to keep it. So in foreclosure cases, homeowners win by attacking the existence of the trust, the powers of the trustee, the authenticity of assignments of mortgage, the timing of the endorsements and the timing of assignments of mortgage they supposedly supposedly they have to have ownership and the, all the case law is is slightly off they say ownership of the note and mortgage before the suit is filed but the case law from before this era and which is still good now says that an assignment of mortgage without an assignment of the debt just like it says in Article 9 uh, of the UCC Section 202 I think it is you have to buy it, you have to buy the debt the debt has to be transferred to the party to whom the assignment of mortgage is addressed If there's no debt, then the assignment of mortgage does nothing in terms of allowing a party to foreclose. So they need to have ownership of the debt before they file suit, or they have to be operating under a a legal agency agreement with the owner of the debt. And we all know that they will not tell you who the owner of the debt is because they don't know who the owner of the debt is, and it's probably impossible to figure it out. The other things they're winning on is the completeness of the pooling and servicing agreement. For example, the the mortgage loan schedule. They come to court, and what they do is they upload an unsigned or incomplete uh, pooling and servicing agreement, and then they come to court with the mortgage loan schedule, which is not attached to the pooling and servicing agreement, and what they do is they upload it to the SEC site, and then they print it off of the SEC site and they ask the court to take judicial notice of it. This is not something that you can take judicial notice of. That's for government-generated documents. It's for things that are beyond dispute. That's what judicial notice is. And many courts say that they're taking it in as notice that the document exists Uh, but not for what is contained in it. But they treat it as though it's in for all purposes, which is wrong. So uh, they're winning on inconsistencies in the pleadings and proof. In damage cases, they are winning on several different types of claim, including fraudulent foreclosures, wrongful foreclosure, where there is an accepted cause of action by that name. Uh, negligence, RICO, they're getting emotional distress damages many times in six figures, Uh, punitive damages, uh, high six figures to low seven figures is very common. So the message here is most homeowners decide not to fight, so most cases are decided by default, and they are therefore decided against the homeowner. The time will come when homeowners will win on the, even on the issue of TILA rescission, but not in rules again that courts may not interpret the TILA rescission statute to grind a case into an outcome that is predetermined. Until then, we'll have to stay with conventional defenses, and those defenses work if you do the work. Thank you, and have a good night. See you next week.
0: Thanks for listening to our broadcast. We hope that you tell your friends about us and let them know that there is hope and help in this financial crisis. Tune in.